Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Uh, it's 10 o'clock. My name is Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. It's going to be a short week this week because of Thanksgiving. We're going to finish up the book of Job, and today we're in chapters 40 and 41. I love this so much, and I love you so much. Thank you. Wow, you guys, uh, I, I'm telling you, I, it's a continuing experience with me here uh, with Tim with Tim, but I, I, there are books that I just sort of, I don't want to say dread, but I feel like they're going to be hard for us because because there are long sections that we tend to skip over. And I don't want you to stop watching because you get bored in chapters that seem to go on and on and on. And so um, that's I guess that's my own problem. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't project that on you. Um, but at the same time, I just love so much the word, and I want you to love the word. And so Job was one of those books. I, I just thought, yeah, you know, gosh, it's going to be hard to get through those middle chapters. Uh, how do I keep people, you know, engaged? Um, but I just trust the word, and I'm learning that for myself. I don't, I don't have to try to dress it up uh, or make it entertaining, y'all. We just dig into the word, and God speaks. Is that not the truth? And so. Uh, this run through the book of Job has been so good for me, just good for me, reminding me the power and delight of God's word. And I hope you've discovered the same thing. Now, chapters 40 and 41 are am <laughs> just amazing. Uh, I know some of you are already, you know, Connie's already said, I, I can't wait to hear you talk about the dragon. <laughs> and I understand. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll talk about the dragon. Uh, chapters 40 and 41, God wraps up his first speech and lays into another one. He takes a breath and says to Job, you still want to talk? You still you, you, you want another piece of me? And Job's like, no, no. Matter of fact, I, I no, uh, I'm nothing. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. Um, but God comes back in, you know, God's not finished. Brace yourself like a man. Uh, I've got some more questions for you. You got to answer. And, and then he goes on. I, I think this is really amazing. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you're right? That's really interesting. And that's, is that not the heart? I mean, right there, that question. I said that God doesn't really answer Job's questions about God's own justice, but this question here is a, is a penetrating question. Would you discredit my justice just to prove yourself right? Um, I think God's question there does a couple of things. First, I believe that it, for me, it reveals the inadequacy of my trying to um, read God's character just through the lens of my personal experience alone. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I guess that's why we have the Word of God. It's why we have the Holy Spirit. It's why I need the church. If I just look at my life or my experience and I try to extrapolate the meaning of the universe and the nature of God, I, I'm, I'm going to come out in such a, a distorted place. And that's the problem right now in our culture because everyone believes uh, that expressing their own personal you know, individualism is the ultimate. You, know, you, you do you, you be you, and you get to have your truth, and nobody else can question your truth. And I don't, I don't know that you get to have your own personal truth. And, and I think this is part of what God is revealing to Job here. You, you don't get to discredit my justice because, because of the way things turn out doesn't match your understanding of the way things ought to work. You, you know, I think there's just a real danger of trying to draw a lot of conclusions about about the way the world works and the very nature of God just based on you, yourself, your individual expression. And, and, and this is the trap that Job has fallen into. You know, his own experience has become so overwhelming that, that it has begun to cloud his very understanding of, of who God is, 
who God is as God and not just God in relation to my circumstances, my experience. Does that make sense? Is that, is that, does that get into, into is too much of the deep weeds? Because I want to go on for a minute. Uh, will you just credit my justice? So here, these few verses, 8 to 14 or so, um, God talks about uh, his, his justice, and, and he challenges Job here. And he says, Job, you know, you want to be the king of the world? Okay, I'd love to see you, you know, step into your majesty, put on your glory and royal splendor. Then why don't you just go and uh, let it overflow, let your anger overflow against the proud. Why don't you go, you know, stomp out all the evil in the world? And then I'd praise you, you know. It's, it's a really interesting kind of, not concession, but God here, seems to agree that the world as it is is not in perfect order, that there is uh, an, an imbalance between good and evil, and it does seem like the proud, evil, wicked forces tend to be winning, or, or they tend to win too much of the time, and, and we get angry that God won't do something about that. And this is where God says, okay, you, you think you could do it? Well, won't you come do it? What exactly would you do? Are, are you going to just you know, go through the earth and, and stomp out all the wicked? You, you know, um, it, it challenges us because, yeah, actually that's what I would do. You know, that's, that's what you and I would do. We'd just go, you know, go out and we would you know, execute you know, whatever, erase all of the evildoers, just you know, blow them off the face of the earth and say that we made the world a better place because they're gone. But, but God here seems to challenge that. In other words, God is suggesting that there must be uh, another sovereign, just power that, is, that he engages to uh, vanquish the wicked that isn't just brute force. You know, this is just coming out with a hammer and flattening all of the wicked people. You know, again, that's what we would do. Uh, but throughout the New Testament, Jesus himself questions that approach. Remember the story of the wheat and the weeds where the disciples, hey man, there's some, you know, somebody, your enemy came and put some weeds out here in, in the good wheat. You want us to go pluck all those out? And the Lord says, no, you're really not as good at doing that as you think you are. You know, let it go for a while. And then in the end, I will sort things out. You know, again, that's you and me thinking that we know what justice looks like. And if you just let me do it, you know, I mean, and then that just you sometimes like, man, I could straighten this place out. You know, I'd, I'd love to straighten. I could straighten this family out. I could straighten this workplace. I could straighten this church out. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want you to do it. <laughs> and that's what Jesus says with disciples. Yeah. We don't want you to do it. You, you really don't see what you think you see. You don't know what you think you know. We don't want you to do it. Uh, you've got to trust God's way. And, and this sort of is what leads us into the rest of chapter 40 and 41. God then describes these two monsters. One is a, a land monster, you know, behemoth, and the other is a sea monster, Leviathan. And it's like, what? Are, are these real? Are these dinosaurs? I've heard people say that. You know, these are dino the dinosaurs in the Bible right here. We got a fire-breathing dragon in chapter 41, and this is a climax. He's the king of the beast. He's breathing fire. He's boiling the oceans. This is you know, dragon slash sea monster. and What is this about, you know? Um, okay, first off, I don't know. I don't know. Are they dinosaurs? I don't know. Are, are, is it a dragon? I don't know, Connie. I don't know. Um, I don't have to know, though, to interpret the scripture, okay? Uh, whether these were creatures that once existed, now extinct, I don't know. Or whether these are mythical creatures that God is using to, to prove his point to Job, I don't know. 
It doesn't matter, you know, to me. It means what it means regardless. And, and, and what God is doing is taking this land monster and sea monster. In some ways, it, it harkens back to Psalm 8. We're talking about the glory of the human. Remember, God is addressing Job here as the human creature, like Adam. And remember that Psalm 8 says God has made him a little lower than the angels and, and made uh, put everything under his feet, uh, the behemoth, you know, the land and the sea, everything in the land, everything in the sea. So there is a sense in which the vocation of Adam is to, you know, take dominion over these things. And, and this is God saying, Job, can you do it? Can you do it? You know? And so the land monster, the, 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 the sea monster, uh, and, and of course the point of the matter is uh, these are proud, uh, uncontrollable forces from a human perspective, but they are also servants and playthings to God. You know, God can, you know, you know, toss a tennis ball and Leviathan goes and gets it and brings it back. I mean, God is God. And uh, again, this is the way God's discourse ends with Job. Um, what's the, the bottom line here? Uh, number one, I, I think that these discourses, God's answer to Job illustrates that um, our complaints against God are always in some way or another a rebellion against our creatureliness and, and his sovereignty. You know, anytime I, I complain against God, basically what I'm saying is, I don't like the way you take care of me. And in these chapters, what God shows is, you know, you know, of all the things you don't know, let me give you like a list of a thousand things that I do with beauty and perfection that you don't know anything about. And if I can do that for Leviathan and Behemoth, if I take care of the ostriches, don't you think I know how to take care of you? You know, what do you know about all that's happening in creation that I never take my eyes off of? You know, like, what do you know about that? And, uh, and if I can do all that, don't you think I can take care of you too? You see that? You see that, uh, that, that amazing, ironic truth there as God reveals it? Um, also, I think that uh, what the, the speech of God here does is just sort of put Job's questions in this context of what I would call an irreducible complexity, you know? In other words, uh, it's not that God intends to flatten Job like I've been saying, but Job truly is humbled, brought into this state of awe at God and God's ways and God's wisdom and God's power and God's sovereignty. And while it doesn't directly answer Job's questions, it puts Job's questions in this, in, in this context of a God who created this marvelous world and continues to shepherd it in all of its details. And if he can do this for the lilies and the sparrows, don't you think he's going to take care of you? You know, whether you understand it or not, whether your present circumstances lend you to that conclusion, you cannot escape the majesty and glory of creation and therefore the God who makes and sustains it all, you know? So I just love it so much. I love it so much. We'll pick up here tomorrow. We'll finish up the book of Job in chapter 42, 16 verses for tomorrow. So listen, have a good Monday. It's my day off. Uh, it's kind of a weird week though. So I think I got to work some today. But in anyway, I will see you in the morning at 10 o'clock, Lord willing, for, for Tim and Tim. Love you guys so much. I'll see you.